Welcome to the Buck and Bernie Show, and we are live today from the studios of KZMU. Bernie, how are you? I'm very good. I'm so excited because, you know, uh, we, we are going to talk today about something that was really close to my heart because when I was a kid, my uncles and aunt at farms, so I pretty much grew up on a farm, and as a chef, I understood that you really have to... Um, to embrace what a farmer does, because without the farmer, there is no chef, because right. we have no ingredients. Right. There is such a connection between the farmer and the chef, and uh, even more so now than before. Uh, it's evolved. But places like France, you know, it's always been like that. But uh, in, in the United States, it's evolved a lot more uh, in the past year or so. Um, and here we are in the in springtime, which the weather's beautiful. Finally, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm from San Diego, yeah, so for me it's like finally I needed the warmth, and everything is changing. So you have all the blossoms. I mean, the colors. It's just like the other day I was just walking with my little dog and uh, and and Jean Bernard, mon petit bébé, and it was like you you walk around and you can really feel the season changes, and it's really really neat. So, you asked me to go with you to the Easy Bee Farm the other day, mm-hmm. and I says, okay, I, you know, not knowing what to expect, and it was such a great experience, and, and what a beautiful place, and we have with us today uh, Rhonda, the owner and operator, and so this is what we're going to talk about on the show today is farming, and how that evolved for you, first of all. Okay. Well, you know, when I went to the first time uh, visiting the farm, uh, Easy B, it was like, I, I, first of all, I got lost because I'm not from here. So I'm like, okay, you take, you take the Easy Street. I said, like, oh, Easy Street. And I said, Easy B. Oh, I got it. <laughs> and you come in and it is magical. And it was, I think, something like June or July, mm-hmm. and everything was just full on. And it reminded me of, yeah, being in France or being in, in California where everything is always like that pretty much. And it was like, wow. And then you meet Rhonda, who, you know, so much passion and so much, yeah, I would say talent and, and, and understanding of how to really grow everything. And we became friends. We just talk and it's like, that's it. Easy. Kiss, kiss. Easy B. <laughs> it was easy. So, so Rhonda, tell us about your journey because you're not from here. So I moved to Moab 30 years ago. So hello, Moab. I'm sure, I hope I have a lot of my friends out here listening. Um, I came with my pickup truck. I kind of pieced it together. Mostly plant-related jobs, but I also bartended, so that was the <laughs> how I made my way. And I started my first garden 30 years ago in Moab. The time I landed, I started in the ground. Now, was it at the same spot? No, no, no. Ah. No, I rented a tra- I had a trailer in a trailer park that's now gone. Uh-huh. But I rented, and I just built soil. I did. People were like, what are you doing? You're renting that space. What are you doing? And I'm like, huh, I'm just doing whatever I want mm-hmm. and making it beautiful. And then my neighbors were like, don't you want to garden in our space? And I was like, yeah. And so I kept 
I kept gardening and gardening in my friends' yards and growing as much as I could and giving all my food to my friends and um, and then the trailer park uh, ended. We were supposed to become a community land trust down on Powerhouse Lane. Mm-hmm. We were going to be the model for the first community land trust, and now we have a royal crossing that just so it's the first one. But how many? So what? Twenty years later. We finally have a community land trust. We were trying to do it, and a developer had sued and stopped that whole thing um, from happening. It would have been 18 of us, all eclectic Moabites. So, But I d- actually had an opportunity, and my landlord told me at the time, he's like, you're ready for two acres, maybe five. Wow. <laughs> wow. I said five? No way. <laughs> and so I looked with a friend and we bought a five acre parcel in Spanish Valley on Easy Street mm-hmm. and subdivided in half, basically. And so I ended up with two and she ended up with two. And um, and that's when that all started. And I was working full time. So my first, I think I can tell you when I planted the first tree and I can show you that tree mm-hmm. and show you as how it's all progressed, um, I found a, so at 48, I'm sitting there with this two acres <laughs> wondering what the <laughs> heck did I do? How am I going to ever manage this, you know? And then I found my life partner at 48 years old, never been married. That's uh, wonderful. Oh, so wonderful. Yes. <laughs> so, and I wasn't looking and that's my advice to women. Just don't look. and it'll it could very well happen i I agree with that 100 (laughs) percent. and so i was just doing my thing and he just fit perfectly and is so supportive and now he builds all the compost but um yeah in the last 30 years i've done a lot of different jobs here and a lot with plants mostly i gravitate in that direction but Landscape companies, wild landscapes. I've worked for the Park Service revegetation at Arches National Park, oh, wow. the Delicate Arch Viewpoint parking lot. In 1995 and 96, I was a temp on that job, and that got me really familiar with all the the native plants. Which I've, yeah, I just gra- gravitate towards any living plant. So. so you're a woman, woman of the earth, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so you have two acres. So I'm trying to figure it out. You have two acres. Mm-hmm. And how do you organize those acres and say, this area, I will do my tomatoes. This area, I will do this. This area, I will do that. How did you, how did you come up with it? You designed it? Or it was a, or it a was lot a of intuition and a feeling about, oh, I'm going to plant these trees here, then I'm going to put in shrubs, I'm going to build these shelter belts along the edges. Uh, here's a de- perfect spot, old agriculture spot for row crops. And then I also um, have a half acre at my, I lease a half acre up the street at my friend Lucy's house where I we have more row crops and more fruit trees. <laughs> I just somehow... Um, have a vision and it evolves every year i'm like oh i'm going to transform this old row crop that fed moab for three years i'm going to put it in flowers this year so okay. um had had that property been worked before you got it it farm was basically an abandoned ag field so it had laid fallow for a while which is okay mm-hmm. um it was weeds 
every one of them. And we have a lot of them here. And so it was right. basically weeds. And what I did right away was had contacted my the local farmer and had him till it up. And I planted over an acre in alfalfa. And alfalfa is one of my, I, I don't want to see it all leave the valley. It's one of my um, biggest soil builders. Alfalfa, it, for so many reasons, is a mulch for water retention, for building soil. That leaf shake goes down into the soil and interacts with all the micro, um, you know, all that environment. It's really... I don't know how we mulch our pathways, you know, so we keep weeds down, we keep the moisture in, and we, we feed the mi- microorganisms all at the same time. So it's interesting you say we keep uh, weeds down. So your farm is 100% organic. It's not many farms who no. can do it because no. you're still at the mercy of, of, of nature. So how do you do it? What's, what's the uh, special um, trick? Mulch is the one, but with many hands. And I have... When you build something like Easy Bee Farm, people come. And I have wonderful, dedicated employees. And I have a crop, I have two full time employees, and they are, they're probably listening to me right now. <laughs> Love you guys. Oh my gosh. They're like angels that came out of nowhere and are just have skills, women with skills. Mm-hmm. And then we have worker shares who also do some of it. But I also have farmhand help. So I have, you know, probably another position of just different farmhand people who can come um, at different times, you know, for so many hours a week. And we dial them into problem areas. Or, But we keep a lot of the weeds down with also building soil. We can keep it out of the rows and hula hose and everything and it's getting easier and easier i'm telling you moab if you just like stay on it you it won't be a big deal you just gotta you have to put in your time with weeds yeah (laughs) so i noticed when i was out there what i noticed was uh, the farm and then all around it you know is sand (laughs) below sand red right and so it it must have taken you years so to get the farm to the point where you can uh, have such lush, you know. Yes, the soil vegetation. building process is an That's ongoing, constant process, and we have it. We are, we have some, we have a definitely have sandy loam in areas, and, you know, uh, and we're working all of our, when you grow plants and you put those root systems, and we grow multiple crops over the years, just those root, root systems and interactions with the microorganisms in the soil and it builds soil and we make sure we do cover cropping and green manuring if we know we're not going to use some rows we cover crop it if we, we do you know if it's in between spring planting if a row is in between spring planting and fall planting we throw buckwheat out there and cover crop it and feed the bees and we have yeah it, it's a it's a process but you can see, I can show you, I showed you some of our oldest soil, and it's dark, loam, sandy loam. Yeah. You, Loamy. You're very passionate about the soil, which is, you know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Key. And, it's, yeah. it's and like you say, building the micro, yep. microbes, you're building your own ecosystem mm-hmm. in a farm mm-hmm. as organic farming. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's a process, a long process. And 
Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you ever seen. It. I I watched a a documentary recently. It's called The Biggest Little Farm. I've uh, heard of that. Have yeah, seen, I haven't seen it, it. It takes place in California, and okay. these this couple um, in California they wind up becoming farmers. They had a passion for it, and they said they wanted to do it, but they had no idea what they were getting into, you know. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. wanted to do all organic, and uh, eventually it happened. Uh, they, well, they were actually forced out of their apartment in, like, Santa Monica because of a dog they rescued that wouldn't stop barking. So they had to <laughs> uh, find a place where they could live and, and have this dog, and it turned out to be a farm. And then they found someone who knew farming. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. says, this is going to be a, at least a seven-year process. Because mm -hmm. what we got to do is build an entire ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, because you have predators, mm -hmm. you have pests, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Plus, out there, you're fighting drought and mm -hmm. fires and everything. It's a pretty incredible documentary. If, and if yeah. you take care of things, you can find that balance. Do we have insects? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. And we have, but we have a lots, as many good or more, probably more good than bad insects. It's really, once everything starts getting into balance and you, it really takes care of itself. I, uh, yes, and you also have the birds who are coming and visiting who will really do a lot of that work as well. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really, a, like, we're saying a complete ecosystem and the bees. So you're going to have two beehives. And mm -hmm. what is the job of the bees when you, because I know the farm already. Mm -hmm. So, and I see the flowers and I see everything that is going on. So what is, what is their job? Because they, they are very important to what you're doing. Yes. And honestly, uh, the honeybees, uh, that's a whole, that's a situation, you know, where we have manipulated honeybees for so long. At Easy Bee, we, we are really, we rely in the last two years. I haven't had hives, the pandemic. That winter I lost, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to requeen because it's the pandemic, and I don't know what's going to happen, and it's probably going to be hard. Mm -hmm. So I didn't requeen and took away both my hives. We had so many native bees, pollinators, all the, you know, pollinating birds, the butterflies mm -hmm. i mean honestly we have so many native what is there eight species of bumblebees in utah or something like that and we have every one of them i swear and all of bees come from all over even honeybees i'm like okay my neighbors have bees or somebody around here has bees um they just all those insects when i dill for instance, yep. oh my goodness, you go out in the dill patch first thing in the morning, and it's like shring, shring, zoom, and you don't, you're, mm -hmm. there are so many different, po there's pollinating flies that even pollinate things, and so mainly it's just uh, for that balance. Spring is arriving right now. I know that you still have to, uh, to watch it, because you were telling me about, <coughs> you know, we are we are at pretty high elevation. You're almost at 5,000 feet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't get frost and you can't get all this stuff going on. So what do I plant right now if, for myself? So if I, if I have, um, you know, a small little plot of land. So, you know, Bernard, you should plant your tomatoes. You should plant your, you should plant. What should I plant? 
right now it's all the coal crops. So all of the kale and uh, chard. And if you have row covers, we, we actually use Agrabon, which is a white fabric that will, we have the winter one, so it'll up the temperature of the soil and up the uh, temperature inside of the little hoops that we put up by six degrees. So we can get down because in 2017, I think, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, on May 12th it frosted in Moab. So, I mean, technically I always go by the May 15th and then the beginning of May, you can start looking at your summer crops and if the extended forecast looks good you can start planting early in may that's for out in the valley downtown there's all these microclimates i mm-hmm. uh, that are even are sweet and you can plant earlier but like all the lettuces we have going in right now turnips radishes we're we've got beets and carrots up and all of the cool crops then your your that's your, your your spring now your summer crops will be what will be tomatoes eggplant mm-hmm. peppers sweet hot uh, chilies all the peppers um, your basil your basil, basil I remember the basil lots of basil lots of basil and mm. you know I always for myself I always have like some cinnamon and some lemon basil and all the different flavors um, you know you know when I when I when I was walking uh, last year in your field. It felt like aromatherapy for your soul. <laughs> it is so beautiful. It, the fragrance, and you have a little bit of lavender here, and you have the basil here, and you have the thyme and the lemon thyme. It's, it's just, un, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And every morning, at, right when the sun comes up, even sometimes a little before the sun's up, I go out and I start harvesting the basil in July and I'm like ooh what a way to start the morning with the aromatherapy and mm-hmm. the good feeling and have it all done before it gets hot yeah, yeah yeah it gets hot here <laughs> it gets hot right. we start early in the yeah. summer so what what do you do for when it does get hot in the, what do you do to we start uh, usually at first the or for protect the, the leafy the people or the plants? <laughs> no, the plants. We start really <laughs> early and for the people. And then the plants, you know, like bell peppers will sunburn in Moab. Wow. Every time. If, if that pepper sneaks out from behind the leaves, it just gets a brown spot on it. So we shade our bell peppers. That's really the only... We have other things that we shade, but mostly bell peppers. Tomatoes love it. I mean, you can't, and all the summer stuff really can take that heat. One strategy is don't go out into the garden at 2 to 4 or 5 or whenever. Don't go out in the heat of the day and look at the plants. (laughs) Water them regularly, your vegetables. Just put them on a regular schedule, timer, and have them watering regularly. So drip irrigation. Uh, under mulch. Uh, under mulch. Okay. Yeah. So water here. So I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's really hot and mm-hmm. you're in pretty much a desert. So how, how do you deal with, with uh, water? Just with the drip irrigation. So the drip irrigation goes straight to the root of the plant and you don't lose any to evaporation because evaporation is the bad part of the desert. So if you have a some thick alfalfa mulch on top of your drip then that just goes straight down to the microorganisms goes straight and uh, it'll stay the soil temperature will stay a lot cooler 
in the summer under the mulch with the water that's going straight to the root systems. So we all know that tomatoes do very well in Moab. Everyone loves their homegrown tomatoes. Uh, What are the things that you've come across that are the hardest to grow? Oh, like a lot of the cool crops. You know, like we don't have mixed greens in July, you know, not even the salad mix usually. That ends sometimes in June. We can get our greens. What we have in July and August is kale and chard, and um, there's maybe some other mixed greens. But in all of the, I mean, we'll have cabbages, and a lot of the brassicas will mature in July and be great, fantastic. But um, that's when the summer crops really shine. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's seasonal eating. It's like eating what we can grow, and there are things that, but it's all the cool season crops that don't do as well um, in the summer, or we don't grow them. And like, there's other things, and for other the heat and um, like Brussels sprouts. I my neighbor grew them one time, and. He was so excited, and it was beautiful, and the whole thing of Brussels sprouts. And he, I was over there when he after his first harvest, and he was had them in a pot in the stove, and he was boiling them, I think. And then he picked one out, and he was eating them as he got along. And he picked one out, and it was loaded with aphids. Oh, <laughs> and he, uh, the gag reflex was big there, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, so I extra protein. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I I don't like to push things that's why i'm not gonna like try to grow tomatoes in the winter or you know i like to just eat and grow seasonally um with and a lot of things a lot of those cool crops are wonderful spring and fall we'll we'll plant in august for fall cool crops and what would it be where we would have all we'll do successions we'll have more cabbage we'll have more arugula we'll mm-hmm. have all of our leafy greens our mix our salad mix and romaine, we can grow some pretty good romaine lettuce. Squash. Um, and we'll have all of the summer Lots. crops. Amazing squash. Actually, in September and October, we have all of the cool crops and the summer crops. We are just, like, we have everything. That's, uh, what, I, that's what I was going to ask. When is the peak where the, you the have The peak is like September. Abundance. Yeah, September. Yeah, September's peak. So it's funny because, you know, we talk about growing, growing, growing. But... I love that job. I love that work is harvesting because mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. harvest. You have to really pay attention. Mm-hmm. If if one uh, if tomatoes go a little bit too long, then they will get bruised. They will get they will lose all their beautiful flavors. Mm-hmm. And so how how do you manage that? Because I mean, yeah. you are harvesting a lot in summertime. We have three full days usually of harvest. So Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And Tuesdays we have restaurant harvests. And then on Wednesdays and Thursdays we do our CSA harvest. And so, and then sometimes on Fridays we go out and harvest more. So, so let's talk about the restaurant because I mean, I, it's, I don't have a restaurant, but if I had a restaurant, I can, t- I can tell you that I would I be going to the, to, to the farm and, and really get all my goodies from you mm-hmm. but so who are you working with so one of our the longest restaurant that we worked at for is 98 center and they've been 
fabulous, and they keep increasing their our, their business with us yearly, and they're easy to work with, and they have wonderful food. So mm-hmm. that's been a really nice, very, very, very nice. I really appreciate 98 Center. And then now we're also working with Poso Rosso. We worked with LaSalle House, and then and then they went out of, you know, when the COVID hit yeah. and that whole thing. So that was a big bummer for us and an adjustment because they were a big, yeah, a good client. And then you have the program where everyone can be part of that very, uh, I would say, it's the most exclusive group of people yeah. who can come in exclusive. and get their, uh, their goodies from you. So mm-hmm. tell us a bit about that and how did it start it? So we have 50 CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, shares total. Um, Some of them pay fully for a full share, and we have 8 to 10 of them who actually work for their share three and a half hours a week. And those spots, yeah, and that's how we – that's another way we get the harvest done is with our worker shares. They come, and so we have five people there, at least maybe six with our employees um, on when every Wednesday and every Thursday um, for the harvest, and they help us out a lot. And if there's any extra time, they'll do other tasks. Um, but three and a half hours, and they get a full share. So it's kind of a way also to keep it, you know, if you really want to eat fresh, mm-hmm. the best food in Moab. And, and, and those shares, you get your share which day? It's either Wednesday or Thursday. We divide them in okay. half. So okay. we have Wednesday pickups and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, a lot of great things happened, like we got an online store. So that was nice. That's where we sell our full shares and half shares. But people come in and pick it up at the, uh, uh, at yes. the farm. Yes. In the past, we've done deliveries. But this year, it's 2022. I've been in Moab for 30 years. There's big... Um, events this year so I decided that the farm it's going to be like a regeneration because we're building this farm stand for the future we're going to really just focus on growing and improving the soil and you know maybe next year we would have some deliveries but I don't I I like the pickup I I think that what I like about the pickup is that you are able to Mm -hmm. um, have those people the the people coming in to really enjoy the farm and also learn about the farm Mm -hmm. and connect with you and your uh uh, and your team and and i think that makes it better for everybody because they take that information and most likely share with their kids and it means that you know give a good platform for children to also be educated to eat very very good Mm -hmm. uh ingredients Yes. So that's really cool. Well, I'll look out the window and there'll be people walking around because I always mm-hmm. invite everybody to just, you know, if you're going to come pick up your share, you know, and my mom will be like, there's people out there. I'm like, I'm all right. That's all right. Let them go. They're just walking around <laughs> admiring. That's, that's what community is all about. That's what's, that's what's wonderful. I have to tell you, I'm loving here because I'm really loving it because so I take, for example, a stroll with the baby, right? And everybody waves. It's, yes. like, it's like I know everybody. I don't know anybody, but they are so kind. That's so nice. It's it really feels good. It's something that you do not have in a big, in a big city. You know, it's just um, over here you're able to connect. It's a community. And yeah, it's cool. It is a community. We do connect here. Yes. And, uh, so I, I just want to 
uh, at you are listening to the Buck and Bernie show on KZMU. And uh, today's guest we are talking with live is Rhonda from the Easy Bee Farm. And so if you have a question for Rhonda, please give us a call. The number here is 435-259-5968. So uh, join in. Give us a call. You know, one thing that, uh, that I saw in the way that, uh, that you have planted all your uh, trees, fruit trees, they're kind of uh, on the, uh, on just right on the outside of, the, of where everything is growing. But there are so many amazing fruit trees. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're growing there? A lot of peaches. Peaches actually do really well in this valley. And they have the least amount of pests. Yeah. So it's really quite easy to get a bumper, beautiful peach crop. Where some things like apple have the coddling moth and plums have aphids and, you know, the other fruit trees. But we do have, oh, pie cherries. Yeah. So yeah, pie, yeah, And you have the little cherries that you were telling bush me. Cher- the bush, Nang, bush cherries. Nang King bush cherries. Mm. One of my favorite and it's a great screen if you have a yard and you want to like have a deciduous screen from your neighbors plant and you have kids kids love them and they're they're a little bit tart and uh, what i do is juice i grab they're easy to harvest really um Mm -hmm. and i just grab bunches of them and put them through my steam juicer and then have this really nice cherry juice yeah, right I, now they're all blossomed and it's oh beautiful. it's gorgeous loaded <laughs> it's gorgeous my god and yeah. it's reli- they go colder with the temperature so more often than not we have bush cherries every year where the fruit you know if we get that cold snap then that mm-hmm. could uh you know make it a light fruit year so do you have apricots or? we do have some apricots they're i haven't the first ones to yes so they're they're the first ones to yeah. bloom, so they're yep. usually first ones the first to freeze, ones to freeze. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah. They can in town, special. there's some wonderful apricot trees that people have that are productive every year. I think it's just the lower elevation and that makes the difference. Yeah, I'm sure it does. There's an elevation change. What, do you know what the elevation change is from well, your farm? Well, Moab is, what, 425 or something like 4,000? I mean, it's 4,250 feet. Yeah. And then out at, I'm, I'm 500 feet higher. That's why. Higher. Oh, yes. that, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it makes a big difference. That makes a big difference. We're 5 yeah. to 10 degrees cooler th- oh, really? than town. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. In the summertime, I'm like, people are like, oh, my God, it feels so good out here <laughs> at 110. And town is like baking. So there was there was a... Uh, 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 an ingredient that you and I talked about that I do not understand how uh, people are not really purchasing it because it's so beautiful. Fennel. Yeah. Fennel. Yeah. Because you said that you try to you try to grow it and everything, and but nobody really. And we it. still grow it. And it is so good. Everybody yeah. should have fennel. Yeah. Fennel salad. Oh my. Yeah, we need so you good. to have a fennel cookoff and then yes. and get the community <laughs> like you know it. because Promote that's the fennel. only thing people don't know what to do with it. Uh huh. So that's the problem, because they're like, how do I do this? What do I do with it? I mean, 
So and salad is so good. And salad, yeah, just in salad, soup, salad, yeah. purees. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it goes great with. And fish. the fronds exactly. and the bulb. Yeah, you can. That's exactly what you do. You use everything. Everything. But it should be the same thing when you are looking at carrots, and you're looking at beets. You can eat those greens. Yes. You really and people. The think carrot that they, greens. Oh, no, but I don't know what to do with carrot greens. But so we need you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, because you, you, you can you can cook the carrot greens. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, you just oh, cook yeah. them, or you just cook them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah All it's right. good. Because I know the beets. We but the beet leaf, yes. Yes. But, and you have to remove the, the the I would say the the center vein. Okay. Because it's really it can be very uh, very tough. But yeah, it's really good. Uh, can you pickle yeah. fennel? Have you tried it? I haven't. No. Pickle I'm, what? I'm kind pickle of the one fennel. who needs the fennel. Fennel? Pickle fennel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You betcha. Right. Like in Greece, so. in Greece, for example, the pickle fennel. I mean, you know, the, the, what I like to do with fennel is I shave it. So you take like a, a mandolin, which is a, a, uh, a slicer, and you just put, you just do it really, really thin. A little juice, lemon juice, for example, salt, pepper, mm -hmm. that's it. Mm. A little bit, I will add a little bit of feta, some, maybe some strawberries with that, mm. some beautiful basil that you have, mm. and uh, some arugula, and, and this is it. I mean, you serve that with grilled chicken, for example. Oh, oh man. Mm. You need so to give fennel, some fennel to uh, that's what I Felix to mess with. <laughs> <laughs> so Dear that see Felix. What he can come up well, with. you know, you know what, he, you know what he would do. Most likely, you get it, you get it into flour, and then mm. to seeds, and then you mm. can use the seeds to make infusions. Mm, so right. this is this is like this anise liqueur that you have, you have in the Middle East and in in south of France, like you know the Ricard and. Uh, and uh, the Arak and all the so Uzo, we, same thing. We should let yeah. a few of those go to seed. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the fennel pollen, yeah. which is very good. Yeah, I had a, I had a line of spices, actually, with, uh, with fennel pollen, uh, with a, um, a guy who was, um, and is still, um, focusing on uh, uh, agriculture pollination. But the fennel was 100% organic, so it will go. So very, very tedious. It will go mm. into flour, and then you have to pick up a little bit still. But it's really, really good. Kind of like saffron harvesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit. It's a bit the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's really, really delicious. Okay, so should you? How many do you want? <laughs> cool. A lot. And I get to try a lot. <laughs> whatever so you make with them. So you have so your vegetables. Um, do you do any municipal plants? Uh, for oh yeah, I. I've always been one to grow as many herbs and medicinal plants as possible because I always feel like there's going to be some herbalists come along and want all of them. Plus, a lot of them have a beautiful flower or I, I don't, you know, I, uh, thus far, I don't think I'm the one who's, who's going to make the medicine with my medicinal plants but I incorporate them into all of my perennial beds, and I have a ton of echinacea and what else? I have all kinds of medicinals that I've always gravitated towards. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm because we're gonna need it at some mm -hmm. point. So I just, I'm the, good I'm a grower. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, those things that are good to have around. There's other things that are weedy in this in my situation, and I just keep them around. Burgundy amaranth. Oh, we always yeah. have that popping up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like I've never, um, I have rocket arugula that's original from like uh, 2007 
that I moved from downtown when I was out there to my new place. And the seed were, was in a pot that I transplanted. And we harvested for restaurants and stuff so much off of that rocket arugula. And it was free, basically. And it's peppery. Yeah. I mean, the, the older the rootstock is, it becomes really like, you have that yeah. pepper who really takes over. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. And then you also do flowers, right? I've just, yeah, I've always mm. done flowers for like the companion planting aspect of the whole gardening, and I love flowers. But just last year, well, I've just last year, I've been branching out into to try to add, do another value-added product. So we have, this year we have 10, and last year we had 10 flower CSAs, so weekly bouquets, um, and people pick up, and people, mm -hmm. they sold out in like 24 hours last year. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it really uh, bring uh, some uh, beautiful energy to the uh, um to the whole farm, you know, there, there, there's thing with farms, which is, you know, you, you know, that's your fruit and vegetables and all that stuff. And then when you have flowers over here and over there, it create a journey, I would say. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not only like you're going to see, let's say, whatever you are, you are growing in, in that, uh, in that spot, but then you have a few flowers and then mm -hmm. you have the birds and you have the butterflies and you, and, and I think that it's, uh, it's, it's important for everybody to remember that if you have children and if you really want, we know that the kids' attention span is going to be very short. But if you want them to learn something about gardening, just to walk through the garden and see what's going on, spend half an hour and you will be able to, to create memories from them that it will keep for a lifetime. So one thing I do want to mention is I am from rural Illinois, the Midwest. Um, I grew up in the town, 350 people, you know, so we didn't, and my mom was not gardening, but my, both of my grandparents, my grandmothers were pretty pro, and they would send me with a basket out to the strawberry patch. Like how many strawberries did they get in that basket? Not many. <laughs> but I had a stomach ache and <laughs> all of that. And my, my, you know, my grandmothers were just pure love. And I relate the garden to my grandmothers. And, and kids will do that every, like, if they have a good experience out there in the garden. They remember. Forever. They remember forever. Forever. So I say, I say the same thing with, you know, if you have a farmer's market. Just take the kids to the farmer's market. Farmers are very proud of their heritage and what they produce. Mm -hmm. They will give that little strawberry to that child, and you will see just the ray of joy coming from them, just tasting that strawberry or tasting the tomatoes. Because most kids, they're not crazy about tomatoes, mm -hmm. but then you have that small tomato is like nice and sweet, mm -hmm. and it becomes, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And it, yes, it's one of those things that, that you know create a great platform again for kids to have really good um, um di diets in the future mm -hmm. snap peas are good for kids oh too. yeah exactly uh -huh. and you we know what's great about snap peas the flowers okay the f right. i i love because you know like i i don't know uh, over here but when i was in france with my my family the, the all those snap peas when they would get into flowers before it become peas they would be all different colors 
Uh-huh. So we'll be like, oh my God, and then yes, and it formed the piece form, and then you're excited. Yeah. Except that, um, you know, um, so we were kids who were cleaning up the piece, cleaning up the um, the, uh, the the beans. I mean, <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> if you want to go play soccer, you got to yeah. get two baskets of this before, <laughs> and then you can go play with your friends. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, good. That's, yeah. that's the way they were doing it. They worked. Yeah. So when we we were at the farm the other day, uh, you mentioned something to me that uh, stuck with me. You said 2022 was a resurgence for the farm and you. What, yes, what did you mean for that? I think I, I said regener- 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 regeneration. Regeneration. Yeah. Regeneration. Yes, yes. Um, well, so what I'm doing is basically called regenerative farming. It's all about the soil and building the soil and keeping the nutrients in the soil so that the plants that you're going to eat have all those nutrients in them and microorganisms and to me regeneration is um taking a step I'm kind of taking a step back and looking and paying closer attention you know you can get work 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 and you put your head down and you get the wheelbarrow arms going and all you're doing is working you know and for me it's the regeneration means really stepping back, stepping aside, letting everything heal and be in, mm-hmm. you know, in rhythm with each other. And so... Let nature take its course. Let's nature take its course. And, and at the same time, you're able to also refocus, refocus. because you, you, you can look at areas maybe... Uh, of the farm where you want to make changes, but yes. you don't have time to do to really pay yes. attention to it because you're so busy all the time that yes. you know a day become a week, week a month, a month a year, and then it's like one, two, three, four, five, and it's yes. you know it's 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 all set and gone. I wanted to ask you a question because I think that our audience would be um, a very interested to know the answer is when you are. Um, beginning the, your planting so you do everything from seed mm-hmm. so if you could tell us a bit about the process because you have a greenhouse so you know for me for me i, I try to I, I really try to be at myself the other day and not take half of your tomatoes and put it in my car but <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh, you were eyeballing like, my tomato oh, starts <laughs> so tell us about it a little bit yeah so we basically get started in february We've, we've actually figured out the timing of all, you know, how many weeks that little seed is going to need in that pot to get a nice root system and be ready to put in the ground. If you start too early on some things, then you have to either pot it up to make it, keep it happy or, you know, and so we start on heat mats with grow lights. It's all on, done on one gorilla rack and I have heat mats and grow lights and then we move to tables that are just in the greenhouse area. So tell it, tell 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 our audience a bit about heat mat and, and yeah. what, what, how does it work exactly? What is it? It's electricity, so it's just one. It's a flat. It can get wet, but it keeps it's warm. And so it'll if you put a container on it, it'll up the soil temperature to seventy five, which is the ideal temperature for most germination. And a lot of sometimes the cool crops, we'll put the cool crops on there, and then as soon as they pop, we pull them off and put them out in the greenhouse, which is a little bit cooler temperature than on the heat mats. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's re it's really it's really interesting because the it it is a process because mm -hmm. you know especially when you are 100% organic it means that you really pay attention to all those little sequence of events mm -hmm. who will take you to that beautiful plant and will give you these beautiful fruits and and vegetables. We're getting really good, and the team is getting really good at documenting and keeping notes from the year before. So we're creating a history here. So hey, how, how many? <laughs> How many uh, kind of tomatoes do you have? Because, oh, my God, there were so many tomatoes. <laughs> you asked me that and was like, So it's oh, like a I dozen, 20, 20 different types, maybe? We have, we, yes, because I just got from Pam Hackney out in Castle Valley, I just got um, some drought-tolerant seeds oh. for these special. She's trying them out there, and so we're doing a little test run. We're only doing probably eight. There's eight different varieties, and I don't know what, how many, but... We'll probably have some tomato starts available for our members and stuff if they anybody wants a backyard tomato, but yeah, or Chef Bernard, anybody, oh, that's so anybody kind. who keeps in touch <laughs> <laughs> with the farm. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't count. I meant to count because I I had a feeling you were going to ask me that question. That is about, I bet you have uh, at least twenty. To, it's, yeah. I love tomatoes because they they are so very special. Matea, can you call in and tell me how many tomatoes <laughs> varieties we have? <laughs> and and go the, count real quick. Uh, the other thing that I love is that you know uh, in the fall you have all those squashes and 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 everybody kind of forget that if you really take good care of a squash, like a curry squash, for example, mm -hmm. you can really preserve it for a very long time. Oh my, did, how, did you uh, use beautiful. yours yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other day when we, when we, when we went in, uh, I, she, I Lana, she, she said, oh, look, I got a squash for you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> curry squash. Still and trying and to. it's very funny because not many people know what curry squash is. Yeah. They think it's like a squash that tastes like curry, which is not the no. case. <laughs> and uh, and it, it's, a, it's a very beautiful kind of Looks uh, like orange turban, turban, you mm -hmm. know, just Bumpy like, you know, pumpkin. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. like, it's just gorgeous. And, and it stays really, really well. So that was harvested in no, October, probably. Mm -hmm. And what's, this is almost April. Yep. Six months. And then yeah. did you try the spaghetti and the acorn? Not yet. Not yet. But they looked so, good. Yeah. yeah. They look, they they look, look really good. Yeah. Okay. I, I, sorry, I get uh, so excited about, about uh, uh, farming. There's one thing that my grandmother and my parents grown. They were doing four different kinds of potatoes. And mm -hmm. we talk about potatoes, and I know that you have... You're going to be growing a lot of different potatoes. Tell us about your potatoes. We have eight to, we grow usually eight to ten or however. Yeah, this year we have at least that many varieties. I like the finger, I like to grow them for early, mid-season, and late to stretch them out. You know, purple, there's these magic mollies oh. that store so well. The, there's these purple storing potatoes, but there's a lot to know about the potato, like, you know, is it an early, mid-season, or late? When do I harvest? And the late ones, curing them and storing them. I had potatoes in February, left left from last year. And if they're cured properly, so cured properly, what is mean cured? How how do you preserve them? What do you do to them to keep them so sexy? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, well, we dig them all up in the the. Storing tomato uh, potatoes, we dig them all up and spread them out on newspapers and get them all dried out. 
and we just br- lightly brush the dirt off and then put him in the in like the root cellar or put him in a cooler dark completely dark, dark. the darker the better yeah like you the minute you they see the light they start going i feel like so yeah. when i was a little kid with my grandmother what we would do <coughs> is we would harvest carrots because you know in Brittany you have tons of carrots and root vegetables and we would bury the carrots in the cellar mm-hmm. in sand mm-hmm. and it was for a couple reasons they completely stopped growing mm-hmm. and they would just stay perfectly and no worms in it so mm-hmm. over here how, how do you keep your your carrots for example I think in good shape la- last fall we plant carrots are also like you can get earlier season ones you know and then they can grow through the you know and the We make sure we plant at the right time and get these perfect fall carrots. And the best thing to do is leave them in the ground in Moab oh, and me. mulch, alfalfa mulch on top of them because it's sand, basically. And we, we have a call. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Carrots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Anyone there? No? Somebody got no. very, very shy. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. But back to those carrots. So carrots. Let's say on carrots. Yeah. yeah. So you, you kept it in the soil. We keep them. And oh. we had the best in February. We went out and harvested. And we, Kevin, my partner, can eat like six. He'll just eat six carrots in one sitting. Carrots <laughs> are good for you. Yes. It's very, very good for you. And so we had pounds. And we, you know, the fall carrots that we've been keeping, we've kind of kept for ourselves. So there's like... Four or five of us who, you know, in February, we're, it's pure joy because we have those carrots. Yeah, you brought something very special for us today, a little carrot liqueur. Mm. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. That was that really was good. Delicious, yes. That was okay. really delicious. Felix. So bef- before we ran out of time, okay. um, while we were quick. at the farm, you showed us some things that you're going to be adding to the farm this year. Let's talk about that. Okay. The Which things? The market room. Or the oh, the farm stand. Mm-hmm. So we just got a conditional use permit. I had to go through the whole planning process and get the permit and pay for it. And we're going to put in a kitchen and it's uh, and a, proce- a whole processing station. And then in the front, there'll be a little area that is a farm stand where all the CSA members can pick up. Mm-hmm. Or we have... When we have extras, we could post it, and people can just come and pick it up. We can sell all, all of our eggs through there. We can sell flowers. I want, I want it to be more of a collective and get people in the valley who are still growing to contribute, to bring their over. You grow the, this mm-hmm. squash, and then you bring it over here, and we'll sell it through the farm stand. That's cool. And so that's what I, I uh, all you farmers out there, listen Um, you know, because it's one pl- uh, an outlet. I already sell eggs for other people, and you know, I know I know that you have very happy chicken. I tell you that. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of chicken, and you had, so you get a lot of beautiful eggs all the time. Hello, you're on KCMU. Hello, can you hear? Yes. Can you hear me? Go ahead. This is Matea calling. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <yeah>. Hi. Excellent. <laughs> so I just wanted to say. I don't have my notebook in front of me, uh-huh. but based off memory, okay. we have definitely over 20 types of tomatoes. <laughs> oh, Bernard was Bernard, right. <laughs> I, I, I knew it. <clears throat> He gets the tomato. To be tomato. a little more specific, 
Uh-huh. Um, we have about, with the heirlooms from Castle Valley, we have about 15 types of heirloom tomatoes we're growing. Okay. Wow. Thank you. About four or five types of cherry tomatoes. Uh, cherries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four or five types of um, hybrid tomatoes, uh-huh. maybe more. For safety. And um, a couple types of paste. Okay. That's great. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> bye, Matea. She's my new crop manager and she's from the Midwest as well and has a service dog. So the farm has another the oh, farm has a dog. Cool. A farm dog now. And she's a really good dog and she needs to be if she's gonna be on the farm. Yep. So Wow, you have chickens also. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah, she loves the chick- the, That's what I said. The chicken is so cute. Oh, yeah. Man. We added to the flock, so we're going to have 30 birds. 30 pro- birds. Producing. 30 birds producing in by late June. That's a lot of eggs. Yes. Wow. Wow. We can sell eggs like you would not believe. And a lot of, and there's a lot of eggs, people, you know, having chickens and selling eggs right. in Moab, but... We could sell as many as I could have a whole chicken farm probably, and there's well, a demand. Well, I can tell you that uh, for everyone who is listening, eggs were um, harvested on the farm are so much better than the one that you buy at the store. It's just the nutrient who are going into that egg yolks are so much, it's so good. And plus. What your chicken are eating is 100% organic as well. Yeah. So you have really true organic uh, eggs. Now, uh, just before we go, I know we, have a, we still have a, a couple of minutes. Garlic and oh, onions. Yeah. I love my garlic. I love my onions yes. because I need it to make my tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your onions and your garlic. So garlic is one thing I feel like we're famous for. Um, you have a lot of garlic. Uh, yeah, yeah mm. we have a lot. And... Uh, and for so for like nine years, eight or nine years, we've been saving all of our own seed. We do a big giant braid, and then we replant what of early Italian purple. And so I feel like we have a soft neck. So there's hard necks and there's soft neck mm-hmm. garlic, and we have a soft neck that is I would say easy bee farm soft neck at this point because it's been growing just from our it's acclimated to this climate and everything and then i always get hard necks because garlic scapes are a big deal yep yeah and so we harvest the scapes and then you know and then we have the hard neck garlics was offer different flight they have different flavors you know different and then you you dry them hanging or we hang slats? them yes hang. and that's what when i was getting the conditional use permit they were like how are you going to deal with noise and smells and all of that and on the farm stand? And I was like, oh, the smell of garlic. I guess I have to check with all my neighbors because <laughs> when, we, when we hang the garlic, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so you, you have a very large Italian neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> we should. So yes. you're adding beehives, right? This year I got two packages that are coming soon this week and so I've been scrambling getting my boxes cleaned up because I have all the equipment so it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of ordering the packages and I have a friend who's going to help with you know the extraction and stuff like that but it's been quite the process getting I forgot what it was like to put that many boxes together for the bees 
Yeah, my brother-in-law has uh, eight boxes in France. That's a adventure there. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And but it's so good. I only mm. get two hives because I figure that handles a lot of my pollination, you know, for the farm. And then me and my friend have as much honey as we can. And I like to gift honey. But we don't sell it. Just a little disclaimer there. Okay. <laughs> we, we don't sell yeah. Easy Bee yet. Yeah. I mean, you know. Mm. If some beekeeper wants to come and have Easy Bee Honey for sale, then... Oh, there you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. 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 I thought I had someone like that, but then that fell through, so... That's what we call it a community. That's good. To have everybody you know, be part of that, uh, to celebrate the region of uh, this beautiful uh, um, harvest and crops. That's mm -hmm. very awesome. Mm -hmm. so, so everybody, um, you know, you need to go <coughs> and visit Rhonda. Um, Easy Bee Farms. So, where is exactly located? It is. It's four zero six five Easy Street, and Easy Street parallels um, Spanish Valley Drive. So you turn actually turn on Heaven mm -hmm. Avenue, down <laughs> and heaven. then you of make course. a you make a right onto Easy Street. Head down Heaven, and, <laughs> and then and you arrive and you arrive right in Heaven, and then you arrive in Heaven. It's it. not all easy on Easy <laughs> Street, but. It's pretty easy. <laughs> well, that was really awesome, Rhonda. Thank you so Thanks much so for much. for enlightening you know everyone, including myself, and and sharing your passion and love for um, farming and and your sense of community and and be so generous with everyone with everything you do, including your time. It's really well, awesome. Thank you. My some of my favorite people are people who cook good food chefs so i what came first the food or the chef mm. well <laughs> what came first is in the, is is the farmer i mean is a farmer and the fisherman without that oh, the fisherman. Well, there is no cook and there is no chef and there is no restaurant <laughs> thank you guys so it, it's a community in itself so thank you everyone for listening today on this edition of the buck and bernie show and thank Rhonda for sharing her great inspiration for farming. And stay tuned and remember that we are live the first Monday of each month between 4 to 5 p.m. Looking forward to sharing our love and passion for food.